Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on sports here on a very overcast afternoon in New York City. But it's always all good in New York City. You can never go wrong here. Here, sitting across from my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's happening? What's up, Bill? I'm good. Like you said, a little rainy New York uh, afternoon, but everything's good. We'll talk some NBA today, so I'm yeah, looking man. forward to that. Yeah, man, the NBA, man, that shows the most clicks. Hey, we're here with um, actually making his second appearance, his second appearance on Bill Roden on Sports, a really tremendously talented young reporter, uh, Eric Horn. Uh, Eric Horn is the uh, beat writer beginning his third season with the uh, Daily Oklahoman. You know, man, he's got a tiger by the tail. You know, and I, 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 you know, OKC is kind of ground zero for, you know, a big experiment. Anyway, say Eric Horn, welcome, man. Welcome back to the show. Bill, Jamal, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it, it's been a little while, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Thanks again. Yeah, man. Well, we'll try to get, like, gift, you know, like, for being on the show, you'll get. And we say, well, what? What will we get? We'll figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll get uh, my uh, my book, 40 Million Dollar Slaves, came out as a, uh audio book last month. So so maybe that's what we do. Anyway, man. So let's let's get right into this, man. Uh, how's the circus going? You got you got Carmelo. Yeah, Paul George uh, joining Westbrook. What's how's it going? You guys are six and seven at the moment. Obviously, it's the first couple of weeks of the season. You nationally, you hear a bunch of people uh, all disappointed in the start. But how's it look from from the ground? Yeah, it's it's fine. You know, I, I don't. You mentioned the word circus. I think it's more of a a quote-unquote circus on the court than it is off. I think these guys are fine off the court. Right. Um, these are – you got three stars that are not young guys anymore. They're they're mature. They've been around the league. I think they understand where they are in their careers and what they're going to need from each other, I think, has been the most revelatory part of these first 11 or 12 games. Uh, after the Denver game, it was interesting that they, you know, they had the – a pretty long meeting after the after the game in Denver where they lost, where they met for about 35 minutes and and not necessarily aired out grievances from what I understand, but kind of just talked about the things they need to improve on the and the communication and what they needed to work on. And that's that's a mature locker room for you guys that aren't necessarily pointing fingers, but looking for solutions. And this this entire group from Sam Presti to to Billy Donovan to the players, they came into this with the understanding that it wasn't going to be a thing that that was a an overnight fix and and I think what what intensified the scrutiny even more is when you see other teams that are going through transition get off to such great starts. You see Boston with Kyrie and going through the Gordon Hayward injury get off to a 12 uh start 0 and 2 but get off to a 12 game winning streak. Um you see Houston uh, bringing in Chris Paul, he goes down, and they still rip off a winning streak. Right. Uh, you see Golden State go through. They're still turning the ball over a ton, but they're still beating beating the hell out of teams. <laughs> so then you look at the Thunder, and you're like, well, what's wrong here? I don't think it's necessarily that anything is wrong. I just think that not every situation is roses. And you've got three guys that are used to having the ball. They're trying to figure out the offense. And it's an experiment. 
and for the most part, I think it's going. I think it's going as they kind of thought it would so far. Yeah, they like their record to be better, but they didn't think there weren't going to be rough patches. Right. Well, I mean, but look, you looked at Boston, and you're basically talking about adding one person. You know, I mean, after Haywood went down, it's, it's basically Kyrie, uh, Houston. You know, one person because you know Chris Paul went down. Uh, Golden State is Golden State. I mean, you know, you got the core there. So with you guys, OKC, you're talking about three very distinctive, you know, kind of powerful personalities, veteran personalities trying to merge. So it's a slightly, to me, it's a slightly different, you know, dynamic there. Each one of you said that they know where they are in their careers. I want you to sort of break down where each of them are in their careers. But what's it been like dealing with them, dealing with Melo, dealing with um, Paul George? Uh, and obviously, you you kind of know Westbrook. What's about what, what's it been like dealing with him? I think I think George and, and Anthony uh, have both been really good. I think they were guys that were both displeased with their situation and wanted wanted more from their situation they were coming from. So I think they've kind of looked at this as an opportunity to start anew. You know, Carmelo Anthony in particular, with the with the way it went in in New York, as you guys know, with Phil Jackson, uh, he's been really excited about being in a new environment. You know, with Paul George, this is an opportunity, basically a contract year for him because he can opt out of that last year of his contract and he's going to be a big-time free agent. So, you know, it was a situation where I think he and his group felt like the road had ended in, in Indiana in terms of them and, and where they could go. So he's been really good. I've I, I found his sense of humor to be very interesting. He's got a very kind of deadpan, <laughs> dry sense of humor where you think, He's uh, saying something kind of derogatory, but he's really not. Like, he, like a couple of nights ago, he uh, he was talking about the Clippers and their interior defense and their rim protection. He was like, well, the Clippers, you know, they're just not a very good rim-protecting team. Uh, they don't have any guys that can block shots. And everybody was just kind of standing there like, what, what is this dude talking about? Like, is he trying to make a sound bite? And then all of a sudden, he's just like, no, nah, I'm kidding, man. I, I, that, that's, not, I, that's not what I meant. Everybody just started laughing. So Paul George has been great. He's been a he's been a real cooperative and, and, and patient guy with us because we're trying to get to know him. Uh, he, he's been good so far. And 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 Westbrook, you know, he as you guys know, he's kind of day to day. It depends on when you catch him. But the thing I've been most impressed about with Russell is I, I think he's taken a, a. I think last year was a big year for him in terms of his maturity, uh, leading a team. And I think that he's shown that he's willing to not only, you know, take a take a step back, but but alter his game right now for the betterment of the guys around him. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, you'll catch him on days in the media where he's not exact. He's, he's never been a guy that's going to go into these full blown explanations explanations about why certain things happen or or why guys are getting the balls in certain balls in certain situations. I just don't think he, he likes that part of revealing things to the media. He doesn't like to get inside basketball with us. But on that road trip, I wasn't on the road trip. My colleague was, but I noticed in the post game, uh, even after three losses, I think for the most part, Russell was pretty forthright about some of the things they need to be better about some of the things that he personally needs to be better about. And there have been times where after losses, he's just not having it. He doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to deal with us. He just wants to go home and get out of there. But I think in the past couple of years, you've seen more of Russell taking that leadership role on and off the court. 
And I think he understands more now than ever that this is a situation where he's going to have to change and bend and alter his game and his persona to fit these other massive personalities. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, been, that's been interesting to see, too. Uh, and, and I think these guys are going to get it. It, it just takes time. You know, individually, I think they've all been pretty solid so far uh, with us. Yeah, I mean, you, me- you mentioned Westbrook uh, just in his game. That's what I was wondering about. I mean, if you even just look at, you know, I've seen some of the games, see the stats. It does look like he's, his scoring is, is taking a hit, or I'm sure that's intentional. So is that one of the areas you feel like you feel like he's making a concerted effort to get those other guys involved? Yeah, there's no question. You know, after, after the Denver game, which I think was like a real turning point game for them in terms of you know, coming to a realization that some things needed to change and they needed to continue to work at not getting back into the same habits that they get into in terms of isolation, stagnation, lack of ball movement, lack of player movement. Paul George only had one first quarter shot in that loss to Denver. And since then, he's really been the focal point of the Thunder's offense, honestly, uh, in, the, in the last two wins. And, and Westbrook said definitely it, it, was a, it was a point of emphasis for him. He said this after the Clippers game on Friday, you know, to make sure that Paul George was heavily engaged in the offense. And they ran offense primarily through him in the second half against the Clippers, in the game against the Mavericks. It's an understanding that when one guy has the hot hand, when one guy is feeling it, to make sure to get this guy the ball. And I think Westbrook has, has, has tried to do that for the most part all season. You know, his shot attempts are down. He's he's almost down eight to ten, eight to nine shot attempts a game this year, which is something you, you sort of expect because you're adding more guys. But he could have taken it his way. He could have done this his way and, and kind of, you know, taken the 24, 25 shots a game he was doing last year. But uh, I think it says a lot about this guy that uh, he's able to kind of conform and, and help these other guys gel into the Thunder um, so far this season. So, yeah, I, I think he's, he's making a concerted effort to, to kind of rear back on, on the shots, on the on the chasing of triple doubles, because there were times last season where he you could see he was going after the rebounds, he was going after the assists, he was hunting those. I think those, those statistics are kind of coming more organically now because he's trying to fit in these other guys and they're trying to make an offense work. Our, our guest is Eric Horn. He's a uh, very talented young uh, beat reporter for the uh, Daily Oklahoma. He's beginning his third season uh, covering um, the uh, Oklahoma Thunder. Uh, hey, hey, man, tell us, you know, everybody here, of course, you know, being New York-centric, you know, uh, wants to know about Carmelo. Now, of course, you see the Knicks are, like, doing pretty well based on what they've been doing. You know, what's, what, what's it been like dealing with Carmelo? You said something interesting uh, about, um, you know, each each of those guys has, has sort of a burden of proof. Uh, Anthony does, George does. And I was thinking about my own situation. You know, we, we, when, you, when you've been somewhere for 30-something years and then you decide to leave, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah, what, what's, what's it been like dealing with Carmelo? What's sort of been what you thought you were going to get versus what you, you know, what you're getting? Everything I'd heard about him was that he was a, he was a professional and, and he's been really professional with us so far. I'm interested to see how his game is going to evolve over the course of the season. Uh, you know, we came in with the, with the notion that the Thunder was going to want him to be more of that Olympic uh, mellow guy that we've seen that, that could be a deadly spot-up jump shooter who can kind of take a, a third banana roll or, or a second 
a secondary role in terms of the offense. And, you know, through the first 10 or 11 games, he was almost the leader in, in, in scoring for the Thunder and, in, and the leader in terms of shot attempts. I don't know if that was necessarily how this team needs to function in order to reach their peak, particularly with Carmelo being at his age, being a guy who's not prone to taking high-efficiency shots. We saw a lot of that isolation ball, those long twos that are kind of out of vogue in the league right now. But I think in the last game against the Clippers, he showed some real flashes of a different offensive game, you know, getting back down on the block, more ball movement. Even against the Nuggets, he was showing some more in terms of his rebounding. He played great defense against Blake Griffin in the Clippers' win. I think you're starting to see a little bit more from him, a little bit more bend and some alternative ways to to get engaged rather than just taking some long twos or some some spot-up threes. So I think it it might be the biggest transition for a guy like him of, of all the guys on the team because, you know, I think Paul George is a guy that can fit with any style of play because he's younger and he's more versatile. I think Russell Westbrook is a guy who at times, you know, has been criticized for his shot selection and uh, his usage and and the amount of time he's on the ball. But I think that he's a, he's a malleable guy too, because he's shown that he can facilitate. He's shown that he can actually be the team's best rebounder as a six, three point guard. He can do a lot of different things on the floor. Uh, Anthony, at this juncture of his career, at 33, is a little bit more limited. He's not going to be the defensive dog that you want every night because just because of his physical limitations. Uh, He's not going to be a guy that's going to rebound at a high volume every night. The Thunder's getting killed on the defensive glass this year so far. They've been a team that's been one of the better rebounding teams in the league in the past three or four years, and and all of a sudden, that's not an advantage for them anymore because they've got a guy in Anthony that – just isn't as strong at the power forward position as some of the guys that you previously had there, whether it's Serge Ibaka or Ennis Kanter or, or any variation of power forward that you've had. So it's a it's been a difficult, interesting transition so far for Carmelo Anthony in terms of what the Thunder needs from him. And I think, you know, you see last night, I don't think it was a coincidence that he sits out and the Thunder has their best shooting percentage night of the season. I'm not saying they don't need him. I think he's definitely going to be a guy they they want to have and need in their lineup. But I think there are going to be some some adjustments he's going to make, make need to make over the course of the season. And to his credit, I think he's been great so far in terms of handling the media while also making adjustments to his game on the court because through the first few games, he wasn't rebounding at all. I don't think he got an offensive rebound until maybe his, like, seventh, seventh or eighth game of the season right. and he just was not he just was not getting on the glass and then he comes out he has a double double against indiana uh he, he had a 14 rebound game uh i think in a loss to portland so he's trying he's putting in the effort and, and i think it's going to pay off for them in the long run because you know carmelo is showing a willingness to do so right i mean what have, and it, seems, it sounds like paul george is the only one who doesn't have to adjust his game or definitely, like you said, probably the least has to do the least as far as his game is concerned. Cause they actually probably need him to do everything he's been doing throughout his career. But looking at the coach, Billy Donovan, how has he grown into his position? I mean, he's a young NBA coach since he's been there. He's had to deal with big personalities from Westbrook to Durant. Now you got Paul George and Mello who probably 
you know, one of the bigger personalities that you could have on your team, and he's, he's going to have to adjust his game. Do you think Donovan is up for all this? Yeah, I, I think he is. And, and it's not to say that it hasn't been an adjustment for Paul George either. I, I think he's a guy who's mentioned, you know, coming off of screens differently, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having to adjust to, to, to moving differently than he did you know, with the Pacers, he's been with the same team his entire career. And all of a sudden now he's with guys who set screens differently. He's running different sets. You know, the Thunder's tried to incorporate some of the things that Paul George likes to do. They want that input from him. They want to put him in comfortable situations. But he's talked about being more of a spot-up guy because, you know, Westbrook's primarily having the ball in his hands and and, and they need George to be a spot-up three-point shooter at times because he's such a good one. And that's something that the Thunder's lack. And to your question about Billy Donovan, I think that's been a challenge for him early, too. Basically, in his three years with the Thunder, he's had great talent in each year, but he's had different talent. You know, the first year he started with Kevin Durant, started with Serge Ibaka. Those are guys that were devastating pick-and-pop players, uh, particularly Serge Ibaka being a pick-and-pop guy with, with Russell Westbrook. And they developed such a great chemistry over the time that they've been together. You know, Kevin Durant, a guy that could do everything on the basketball court, a guy who could play in the post, uh, can hit the transition three-pointer. Can, you can run offense through him off the dribble. And then he go, Billy Donovan goes to year two, and all of a sudden he's got what Russell Westbrook and essentially spare parts. It's not that those guys didn't have talent. They just didn't have the caliber of talent of, of Ibaka and Durant or even a guy like Deion Waiters who could create his own shot. You, you basically had one or one and a half or two guys on the team and, and Russell Westbrook and, and Victor Oladipo that could create their own shot. Last year was a rough year for Billy Donovan in terms of coaching. Uh, right. I think he did a good job at times, but at other times he he struggled. He probably should have gotten Victor Oladipo the ball more in situations. That could have been his second-team point guard. He should have used utilized Andre Robertson better in situations where he can get him cutting off the ball. Andre Robertson's not a great shooter. And now this year he's got the challenge of incorporating three isolation-heavy guys who need the ball in their hands while also maximizing the other guys on the court as well. Uh, they're getting the most out of Robertson, getting the most out of Steven Adams. And it's a transition. I, I think the transition is as important for guys like Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony as it is for Billy Donovan because I think Billy Donovan has a concept of what he wants out of his offense. He wants, it to, he wants the ball to move. You know, he doesn't he's not coaching these guys to go one-on-one every time they're down the floor and clear out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like everybody says, oh, it's bad coaching when Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and Paul George clear out in the fourth quarter every possession. Like, right. no, that's, that's guys not, that's guys not following. Do you think, do you, do you think that's, that's what's going on a lot in these 13 games that they are, that they're doing a lot of their own thing? I guess that's the problem when you got, Three guys like that who all think, you know. Not in all the games, but I think you saw it in particular during this uh, this losing streak on the road they just came off of. They would get in these sticky situations with, where they'd have some adversity or they'd give up a lead, and they kind of, I think they would tighten up and revert back to their old habit. Or they would, quote-unquote, like try and hit a home run. They'd mm-hmm. say, okay, we're going to come down here and bang a three in transition, or we're going to go one-on-one, I'm going to fix this myself. Right. Like, you got to break teams down within the construct of your offense. These guys know they're talented enough to go get a series of buckets at times, but that's not going to beat a Golden State. That's not going right. to beat a Houston. Like, you've got to stay within your game plan in order to maximize the best of the team. Yeah. Like, for instance, last night, they had a situation where in the third quarter, Dallas is in a game with the Thunder that they really have no business being in. Mm. 
And Russell Westbrook basically says, all right, I'm going to take over. And Russell Westbrook scores 16 points in the third quarter, and they, they stretch the lead out back to 20. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But that, that's a way to do it. But are you going to be able to do that against Golden State right. in Oracle Arena? We've seen Russell Westbrook try to do that. And I think he understands that. I, I don't think there's a disconnect. I just think that these are guys that are so supremely talented and confident in themselves right. that sometimes they trust themselves more than they trust the idea or the concept that they're trying to execute. Right. And, and, and I think that takes time. You know, it's, yeah. you don't hand the keys off to your spouse and say, here are the keys to my place within the first week of dating. You want to know her a little bit. <laughs> you want to go out to dinner. I, you I wanna, hope so. You want to like have some experiences together and then say, okay, now you can have a key to my place. Like now we can share some things like now, you know, maybe I'll let you take something off the menu for me while I go to the bathroom or I go like take a phone call. Like, like you don't know each other. Like the first little bit you get together, you got to have some, you got to have some moments. And I think that's what they're going through. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the key of the house. That, that may never happen. Yeah, uh oh, yeah, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah, and, and and also that 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 one on one stuff. When you got three stars like that, it, it's contagious and dangerous because all those guys could do that. So if you get West, Russell Westbrook going off, then Carmelo's like, "It's my turn," and then George would be like, "It's my turn." So you got you got you really got to be careful of that stuff. I think. But but didn't anybody learn anything from Golden State? I mean, hasn't there been any lesson that you know? Here you got a guy who who been to the finals. Three of the last two of the last three three years, they've won it twice. I mean, hasn't haven't and they do it by sharing the ball. I mean, hasn't anybody learned? It's supposed to be a copycat league. But those are you know that's a different situation too because Golden State those guys weren't really except for Durant when he when he showed up. Those guys weren't stars in their own right. They kind of grew up together at Golden State and became stars. So Golden State has a unique situation too. You know, even before Durant got there. It was two of the greatest shooters of all time, one of the probably best all-around players of all time in Draymond. It was a unique group of players that grew up together on an unselfish brand of basketball. Uh, and then you, you add Steve Kerr to that mix, and he takes it to another notch by emphasizing move off the ball, uh, a, a certain amount of passes per game. Uh, and then you had Kevin Durant to that mix, and it just it makes it almost unfair. It, it tilts the scales. Right. So I, I don't think it's – no, they, they they're proverbial. They, they've got their, they, yeah, they're proverbial favorites, no yeah. doubt, every year. Yeah. So it's not that you look at the Thunder and you say, hey, play like Golden State. It's just you look at the Thunder and you say something has to be different. You can't approach this the same way you did previously because, one, you don't have the personnel – in terms of the two-way guys that can play at an elite level. Golden State has more two-way elite players than anybody in the league. Like, that, that's just undebatable. And there's not really anything that any team is going to be, be able to do in terms of acquisitions unless they build over a series of time and get players with the draft that's going to be able to, to counter that. The, Kevin Durant's playing at an elite level on both ends. Steph Curry, while he's not an elite defender, he's a very good defender with quick hands and, and, and good instincts. Klay Thompson's elite on both ends. Draymond Green is a guy at the – he can play the five, bring the ball up, hit a three, and is a defensive player of the year on the other end. Right. Andre Iguodala, best six man in the league. 
there's no personnel grouping that any team in the league is going to be able to put out that's probably going to be better than that team over a seven-game series. Like, it's just not going to happen. But what you can do is you can play a different style than you had previously and give yourself a better chance of victory. Like, you have to be able to humble yourself, I think, to play well and defeat a team like Golden State. Like, and that's the, that's the real challenge because these three guys are so supremely talented – and they've been so used to I don't I don't necessarily say like doing things their way, but but being able to dictate play and control games in their careers, there's gotta be sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice, to be able to take down a team that has more two way talent than you and plays in this free flowing nature. Like it, right. it can't be I'm gonna go get sixteen right now. Right. I'm gonna do this by myself. It has to be a collective effort. Right. And that's nope. the only way you're going to get it done against Golden State. Yeah, well, right? you know. that's the way. That's the way the Thunder almost got it done in 15-16. Like, yeah, you had Russell Westbrook and, and and Kevin Durant playing at a high level, but you also had you know, Deion Waiters playing the best basketball of his life. You had Andre Robertson playing the best basketball of his life. You had Stephen Adams guarding on the perimeter. You had Serge Ibaka switching on to smaller guys. You had that just wasn't the, enough. right, and it's a it's a long yeah. season, so that's you know that's what, what the NBA is eighty two games. So that's what that's for. Uh, we're gonna before we let you go, we're gonna ask you a few questions on some broader NBA topics. Get your opinion on sure. that. First, I have to uh, tell the listeners about Audible.com, who is bringing you today's podcast. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Highly recommended that you check out the classic $40 million slaves, the rise, fall, and redemption of the black athlete by the one and only legendary William C. Roden. (laughs) (laughs) An absolute, absolute. (laughs) We're supposed to get applause there, but our machine is. An absolute must read, particularly in these days and times. Oh, speaking of that, you saw um, Kaepernick got the GQ Citizen of the Year. Citizen of the Year Award. You see that? Yes. Now all he needs to get is a job in the NFL. Exactly. That's that's next. To download your free audio book today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audio book. But, you know, it's funny. You know, you mentioned, Jamal mentioned uh, Kaepernick getting the GQ. But isn't that kind of like, like Che Guevara getting, like, the Better Homes and Garden Award or, or Malcolm X getting the thing. I mean, see, like, once that happens, the revolution's kind of dead. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, when, once that happens, you know, I mean, Esquire, uh, you know, the how I, I always wonder, when certain people say say they like something you've done or whatever, sometimes I got to, you know, wait, I got to rethink it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you might, you might, it's, you might be right. It's sort of a, it's sort of a hijacking, yeah. right. almost an, almost an appropriation of the cause, if <laughs> you will. Like they but, got, um, they got some good pictures out the deal. Yeah, well, and that's the thing because they, they, they want, you, know, you have to, you, you know, it's so easy to get seduced because next thing you know, it's like GQ, and now they got Kaepernick kneeling with the tailor made, uh, with a, you know, you know. So anyway, but yeah, get, getting back to the NBA. Speaking of no non-revolution, yeah, getting back to the NBA. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the majors. Has anybody knelt yet? 
Has anybody protested yet? Only only singers, I think. <laughs> the, 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 the answer's not not the players. The players are not not on my watch. Well, they've been locking arms and stuff like. That. Yeah, we shall all. Yeah, the signs of unity and such right. with the lockings of the arms and nothing nothing quote unquote militant by the angry mob or anything like. That. The man told us that we can't do it, so you know. What can we do? We signed the contract. We can't do it. Well, they, they have a they have a better they have a better situation in the NFL, you know, contract wise and uh, probably commissioner wise a little bit. So they're they're not as uh, eager. Who would you say would be the most defiant person on the uh, on Oklahoma's team, uh, Eric? Oh, the 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 previously most defiant person on the team now plays for the New York Knicks. Um, Cantor, right? That was in his Cantor yeah. by a long shot. I think that I think that Russell Westbrook is defiant in his own way. Yeah. I don't think he's defiant in a political, political or racial way. I think that Russell Westbrook is defiant in a conventional way. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do what everybody thinks I'm going to do. If you think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You want me to use a pen? I'm going to use a pencil with uh, <laughs> hot pink accents right. and no eraser. Like. Right. But as the last poet said, but when it comes to being defiant revolution, that I ain't that defiant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, the, the thunder parted with, and I don't think it was because of his political views. I just think they want to improve their team. Right. Uh, they, they 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 got rid of their most uh, defiant and controversial guy, and and I thought I thought Ennis Cantor was great. I thought he was I thought he was great for an area of the country that probably isn't exposed to many Muslims and probably isn't exposed to as many outspoken people uh, like an Ennis Cantor. And, and if you, if you saw the reception that he got when he came back, it was actually really refreshing Mm. to see a city and a state embrace a guy from Ennis Cantor's cultural background, like, like Oklahoma did. It was, it was, it was great to see, man, because he's a good dude. Right. He really is. And a very loyal dude. You know, he was loyal to his teammates and his city and Oklahoma City. And you can already see that with the Knicks. You know, Sticky stick up, stuck up for the, the rookie, Nilakina, when yeah, LeBron, yeah, the other day yeah. when LeBron said that, uh, you know, the Knicks made a mistake not getting uh, Dennis Smith Jr. He stuck up for Nilakina, said, we like what we have. Yeah, um, we like what we have. And LeBron shot back at him right away. So Cantor always has something to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's why he's got respect. Right, no question. But, I mean, yeah, going, getting back to the NBA and, and, and themes of this year coming in and some things that have happened already, I just want to get your opinion on a couple of things. Obviously, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers going through some, something similar to what OKC is, a slow start, you know, the, nat, the national media kind of getting on them. What, what do you see there? you see any similarities? Do you see – are you worried about the, uh, Cleveland being there at the end? It's Cleveland's kind of like on the opposite end of the spectrum in turn, as the Thunder. Cleveland's offense has been fine. The Thunder's offense has not been fine. Right. Cleveland's defense is terrible. The Thunder's <laughs> defense is top two in the league. Right. So, to me, like they're similar in that they're both kind of struggling on one end of the floor. But I always think it's easier to fix your to, or at least get competent offensively because I think that takes more time for guys to get comfortable with each other 
than it does defense. If you've got a defensive base, I think that's why the Thunder's really optimistic about what they've got going on right now, too. Like, their, their, their beginning schedule hasn't been very good. I think they played a really soft schedule. Uh, they haven't played the Spurs, the Rockets, or Golden State. Mm-hmm. They played Minnesota twice. Uh, they played Utah once. Other than that, they really kind of had some relatively cream puff games. You know, they got Boston, played well for a half against Boston, and, and comprehensively beat Milwaukee, beat up, beat up Clippers. But I'd be more optimistic about where the Thunder is right now as opposed to where Cleveland is with their shaky. Uh, mm-hmm. And Cleveland's shaky defense has been a problem for a while. This goes back to last season, uh, mm-hmm. where in the second half, their defense kind of fell off of a cliff. The, the one thing I'll give Cleveland is they play in the East, and it's going to be easier to overcome any kind of pitfalls or, or shortcomings you have when you're playing in the Eastern Conference as opposed to the Western Conference. And then we just got to give LeBron James credit for being LeBron James. He's, we've seen him do it time and time again. They're probably going to be back in the finals unless Boston just turns out to just be this juggernaut. But I feel slightly more optimistic about the Thunder because their defense has been really good so far. Do you think that uh, LeBron misses Kyrie more than Kyrie misses LeBron? <laughs> I mean, through 12 or however many games we played, I'd probably say, yeah. I mean, Kyrie was bold enough to, to, to make that move. Right. Uh, and, and, and this is this is something to think about, too. The Cancer should tell him that. Cancer should tell him that you, you got your own problem. Get out of my get out of my locker room. You got to deal with your own. You know, I, I think it's probably always been this way, to be honest with you. Like, LeBron, probably from, probably from the minute that he found out that Kyrie was wanted to bolt, Kyrie's, I mean, LeBron's probably missed him far more because, look, it doesn't really seem like Kyrie missed him any at all. Like, no, no. He's the one who wanted to go. He's the one who wanted to leave a, what seemed like a rosy situation. And LeBron, at this age, he knows he needs a guy like Kyrie because that team's got some inconsistencies, severe inconsistencies on it. And, you know, it, it's looking like a good situation for Boston. It's looking like Cleveland's going to have to go and, and get somebody else uh, before it gets to playoff time because – you know, Kyrie was an integral part of that team, and Kyrie's playing defense right now, which is unbelievable. Yeah, which is what the, uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers desperately need, and it's uh, I, I still have the utmost confidence in LeBron James to be able to pull this off and be able to get the Cavaliers to where they need to be. But every year that passes with his career, you know, the odd you start chipping away right. at that a little bit. You know, right. he's only going to be able to to be the excellence that we've set for him. For so long there's going to come a point in time where you know he finally breaks down he finally has a major injury and that team just falls off a cliff so they got to get it done unless he does a jim brown if he does a jim brown and just kind of leaves at the top of his game like leave at the end of this year you know do a movie say i'm out of here <laughs> stars with beyonce look frankly i thought he should have and this would have this seems crazy but i thought he should have retired after they beat golden state I thought he should have walked <laughs> off right there. Just been like, I'm done. I'm done. 31. No, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I, 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 I brought a championship to Cleveland. That's I'm right. done. That's it's right. not going to get. It's, you, right. Like, what else what can else you do? Unless, right. he, unless he plays for the Browns. Or the Knicks. If he came yeah. to the Knicks, that would yeah. right. be something. But, right. but you're looking at, you're basically looking at this situation <laughs> where you, you got away. They, they shouldn't have won that series. Right. Like, it, as great as he played, and as great as Kyrie was in that game seven, and as great as you know Kevin Love stepped his game up at the end of that series, was not playing a good series, they shouldn't have won that series. Right. Draymond had to get suspended. Like yeah. they shouldn't have won that series. So LeBron should have taken that as a sign. Like, look, it's not going to get much better than this. I'm going to I'm going to step off. But I mean, you, you can't knock a guy for wanting to be the greatest all the time, and he and he clearly wants that. And 
Yeah, well, more power to him. I just I just thought it would have been more storybook if he walked off right there. Just yeah. drop the mic. Just say, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Uh, well, now the West, you know, you mentioned the West is the, still the West. It's still a beast. Is there? Have you seen any surprises? Uh, you know, I know it's only two weeks in the season, but you see anything that surprises you that's different this year about the West? I think Minnesota's ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was skeptical they'd be as good as they uh, would be on paper because I know they made a lot of additions, but I still wanted to see them. I still wanted to see Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins kind of take another step and I I mean obviously they, they've had great statistics as young players but you know the ability to close games the ability to get tough wins on the road I mean that team was 20 games under 500 last year I, di- I didn't think that they would be able to you know add Jimmy Butler Jeff T Todd Gibson and all of a sudden you're a 50 win team that's, I, I that's pretty nice more. those are three pretty nice additions when you no, look they at are and, yeah, yeah. and with Jimmy it adds a toughness Right. And in a in a in a in a grit in those late game situations that I think rubs off on guys. I think right. and I and I think just through 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 the matter of accumulation over the past few years, like the the Timberwolves going through tough losses. I've seen Kevin Durant put those guys away in Minnesota. I've seen Andrew Wiggins' shoulders slump after Kevin Durant hits a jumper in his face right. in the fourth quarter. Like <laughs> like sometimes when you're a young so player, just, you just gotta you just gotta go through that right, stuff. Right. You gotta go through it, and you gotta understand that you know it takes a little more concentration, a little bit more focus in those late game situations. And I think early on this season, them getting those two close wins against Thunder. Now, granted, one of them was off of a thirty foot bank shot and an illegal screen, but <laughs> like being able to close out we'll teams, take it. that's a sign of growth. Yeah. And I think that Minnesota has shown that early to me. And, and, and I'm surprised that Houston has gotten off as well as they have considering mm-hmm. they I, – well, I, I don't know if it's a surprise, but I thought that they would be a little bit more hurt by the Patrick Beverly loss. They, they seem to be fine. Uh, Golden State turned the ball over a ton, but they got too much talent to, for that really to be a long-term problem. Denver's 8-5. and five. You think that's real at all? They're going to be in that mix for one of those last seeds. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about their defense coming into the season because in preseason it didn't really look like they made a lot of strides. I still think um, they're they're young at some positions, so it might take some time with their with their backcourt. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they played the Thunder well uh, last week, and you know if they keep getting contributions from guys like Moutier, who they who's basically on the trade block, and they didn't think they were going to get much out of he he torched the Thunder so. To me, more than anything, the, the surprises have been out in the East, like Orlando and Detroit mm-hmm. uh, putting together the strong play they have uh, right. and, and, and shooting the ball really well. Uh, you know, Andre Drummond, guy who struggled from the free throw line, getting his act together a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Orlando shooting the lights out from three. Right. Uh, that's been – the Eastern surprises have been more glaring to me. Even the Knicks. Yeah, the even Knicks, you guys, Knicks. Yeah. I was going to say something if you didn't bring that up. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to leave out the Knicks, man. Right. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of some... clicks. We got a lot of clicks with the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it might be one of those situations where it's addition by subtraction. Like, mm. I'm yeah. not saying that Carmelo love to hear that. <laughs> no, but look, like it's true when you have a, when you have a guy like Carmelo, and, and you can apply this to you can apply this to Indiana too, right? Like. Victor Oladipo didn't have the opportunity to have the ball as much here in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. because Russell Westbrook had the ball all the time. Right. And I think when you get him into a situation like Indiana where 
He's playing next to Darren Collison, who's not going to be a guy who's demanding the ball or has to have the ball in his hands to create as much as Russell Westbrook. Like, Darren Collison is a different player. So Victor Oladipo can be your primary ball handler. He's got the same usage rate as Russell Westbrook right now. He's like at 30 in terms of his usage rate. So when you look at a guy like Carmelo, if you take him out of the equation in New York, it opens up things for, you know, Chris Stapps to be your focal point. And now you're yeah. starting to see him blossom right. in terms of time. being a guy who can be the focal point of an offense. Right. Uh, it, 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 I think that, you know, sometimes when you remove guys from situations, it allows other guys to emerge. I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony was the reason that this team stunk. There, there are tons of different factors. Well, yeah, that's exactly what you're stuck. saying, uh, Aaron. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. No, it's, it's not because, because they Which is okay. I mean, I think we may agree. <laughs> no. Look, they, they, they stuck a bunch of money into Joe Kim Noah, and he oh. hasn't given them a lick. Oh, he hasn't but given you knew that. He, that's he, some cost. Everybody like, knew you that. Everybody, I mean, what, when he – Right, so when is he going to get hurt? That was still. James Dolan and Phil didn't know. Apparently, they didn't know that, or they were too arrogant to not pay that money. So – that to me, put, putting money into sunk costs is more detrimental to a yeah. team than it is, you know, trying to, you know, having a superstar that's taking a majority of the shot. I, I'm thinking like, wasting, wasting sixty million dollars on Joe Kim Noah is more detrimental to them than Carmelo Anthony ever was. No question. Like, yeah, I'm question. thinking now that people are beginning to cut the cable, that maybe Dolan will have to, you know, start trying to win. You know, like wait a minute, people, I guess you start to make some, you know, really win some games yeah. here. Right. You know, right. so. Uh, well, I mean, the Porzingis thing, you know, I mean, he's averaging 30 points a game. Uh, so, obviously, you know, it, it helped him that Carmelo left. I don't think he'd be doing the exact same thing if Carmelo were here. He, he's putting the Knicks on his back. As long as he stays healthy, that's that's a great yeah. thing. But but the last thing i got to get your opinion on is the, the NBA rookies. I, this is, to me, this is the best right. uh, rookie crop we've had in a long, long time. And, of course, uh, definitely can't let you go without – uh, talking about Lonzo Ball and his and his Stephen ass little brother, getting your opinion on getting your opinion on that. Isn't there isn't there something isn't there something in the isn't there something in scripture or the Bible that says like Thou shalt not steal in China? Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite all sure. places like, it, right. Like I'm pretty sure. That's one of those things that your that your that your grandmama tell, teaches you when oh, you're young. Like, like like wash wash behind your ears, <laughs> like don't talk back, and when you go to China, <laughs> don't, get, don't get caught thieving, baby. Oh like God. I'm pretty sure I remember my grandma telling me that. Uh, no, yeah, I hear that. That's like uh, wise young, woman. Young, <laughs> yeah. but, but 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 Aaron, how? Yeah. Me and Jamal thinking, I says, what is this motherfucker thinking about? He got a Lamborghini. <laughs> his brother's making more money I, than God. What the hell are you? I, I would kick his ass just I, for that. I said, man, what are you I, thinking about? Seriously. Him, him and the other two. I don't know yeah. what they were thinking. It's inexplicable. Uh, mm -hmm. Particularly in a country that is notorious for not being kind yeah, they don't play that. To, to, to criminals. Shit, um, man, they, they, may, they have a lot of time to think. They may never come back. <laughs> They may. Yeah, you you got you got to play nice when you go overseas, man. You can't be you can't be getting caught up with any kind of uh, felonious acts or, or potentially uh, yep. things that can put you. They in may prison. they but, may uh, they may Trump a hero because Trump had to call and kind of. Yeah. All right, <laughs> yeah, listen, don't. Yeah. Trump, Trump's a hero to the black yeah. community. That's right. right, right, right. <laughs> just take it easy on him, you know. Just keep him for a couple, just keep him for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, and then you got and then you got people over here 
reveling in the fact that that LeVar Ball, uh, right. one of his sons, is locked up, and and that Lonzo's struggling or whatever. Right. But you know, to, to get back to to get to the rookies, I've been impressed not so much with Lonzo's play, but just how he's handled pretty much everything since his dad's become a bigger star than him. Right. Uh, I think I think Lonzo is going to be fine. He has a maturity to him and a kind of a and understanding that, look, my dad's my dad, mm. and I just got to do what I got to do on the court. So that dude's going to be fine. We all remember when Jason Kidd didn't have a jump shot either. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying the kid's going to be Jason Kidd, but it's clear that he knows how to play basketball, and he's very gifted. Ben Simmons is fast-tracking the rookie of the year. Right. That guy's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, long as, as long as Philly stays healthy, there's no reason why they shouldn't be pushing for a playoff spot, and it's because – uh, ben Simmons, I I was skeptical. I, I hadn't seen the guy play that much at LSU. I maybe seen some clips, but I did, when I heard six ten power forward, he can't shoot playing point guard. I was I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know if this I don't know if this is gonna work. Like they should probably just give the ball to a guy like Markel Fultz and get out of the way. But no, nah, man, that that dude needs the ball. He's a he's a pure he's a pure point guard. He just happens to be six ten. Yeah. yeah, he thinks like that. I mean, his passing his passing has always been spectacular. He's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, to me, him and Lonzo Ball remind me of each other. I mean, two, two, you know, great passing point guards. But Simmons just happens to be six ten and, and even more athletic. Uh, so, so he's yeah. so he's a problem. Hey, hey Eric, we we, um, we know uh, you got you got a role. I, one 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 last question before we uh, let you go. Um, you mentioned a, a, a few minutes back usage rate. You can call it an analytics term called usage rate. You know, we're kind of getting into the 21st century and Bill Roden on sports. We got uh, analytics as sort of the, the thing. Now, what is usage rate? But what do you think are the most useful analytics uh, f- f- category? Um, I, I like usage rate in terms of putting things into context. It's, it's basically field goal attempts, turnovers, free throws by a particular player. Mm-hmm. And if the possession ends with that from a particular player, that is attributed to his usage rate and it's a formula that, that bangs out a percentage. Right. You know, Russell Westbrook is traditionally a guy, your big time scorers, your big time facilitators, like your LeBron James's, Kevin Durant's, Russell Westbrook's, James Harden are typically going to be on the high end of usage rate because they have the ball in their hands all the time. Right. So when you get a guy like Russell Westbrook and he incorporates a bunch of stars, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, you'd like to see his you, – you, you're naturally going to see his usage rate go down. Like last year, it was on the extreme end uh, because he had to do so much. He was like at 38. Now he's around 30. That's better. Right. That, that's closer to something that he was working at in the Kevin Durant years. Basically, not as many possessions are ending with your final outcome being Russell Westbrook. Right. That's better on him. That's better on the team. That's not being so reliant on one player. In terms of other stats – I like stuff that measures like ratios or, or rates of, you know, how successful a team is in particular categories like offensive rebounding rate or defensive rebounding rate. Like what percentage of rebounds is a team pulling down when they're on the floor? A particular person mm-hmm. is coming away with when they're on the floor. Like Steven Adams has a great offensive rebounding rate. When he's on the floor, he's pulling down a higher percentage of rebounds on the offensive end than the majority of the other players on the floor. Same thing goes for Ennis Cantor. He's always been one of the guys who's one of the – has a high offensive rebounding rate. He just has a gift for it. Uh, you know, and then there's those standard kind of advanced stats like offensive and defensive rating, which is a better measure than, like, points per game or points allowed per game because it measures it over 
a hundred possessions as opposed to, you know, just per game. I guess it's kind of a consensus across the board that games are better measured in a hundred possessions as opposed to just per game statistics, because that can be misleading. When you stretch it out over a hundred possessions, you get to see the real scope of how a team's defense is impacting the game or, or how efficient their offense or defense is on each, on each end. Mm. Wow. That's great. Well, we're going to have a whole analytics segment next week. The new, the new black analytics. <laughs> yeah, we might, we might need to we need, might need to bring on somebody else. I, I am not the I am not the black guru of analytics. I can tell you that much. <laughs> All right, well just just give us his number. Well, we got we got Chris, a, we got Chris Herring around here somewhere oh, too. Yeah, yeah we, we can get Chris on the phone. I, I think he'd be able to to get you a little bit better than uh, he's he's kind of the black sage of analytics right now. And, uh, and the, he works he works for five thirty eight for right. Christ's sake. I mean right. he he's kind of he's kind of yeah he's here yeah he's kind of got a high chair uh, in terms of the. In terms of analytics right now. Hey, but Eric, this has been great, man. This has really been wonderful, man, as usual. It's really great insight, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll get you around the halfway point to see uh, what's wrong. Who would you say at this point, as of November 2017, who will be your last four teams standing? Ooh, uh, I guess I would go with Golden State, Houston, Boston, Cleveland. Okay. Um, even with the issues that Cleveland has when they get in a seven game series, that, that changes, that changes things significantly. You, you, it's, it's, it's different catching the team in a one-off on the road or a back-to-back yeah. as opposed to getting them in a seven game series and letting, letting LeBron James get fully unleashed on the team. Uh, I think that those would probably be your top four right now. Okay. Sounds good to me. Hey, our guest has been the great Eric Horn. He's the uh, OKC beat writer for the Daily Oklahoman. Hey, uh, hey, thank you so much, Eric, and uh, give our producer your home address so you can get this copy of $40 Million Slave, the audio version that you can listen to the, listen in the plane, and then you can actually pass it around to some of the players. <laughs> Man, what you doing bringing this on the plane? Boy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, as always, uh, Bill and Jamal. Man, uh, anytime you need I greatly appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure, man. You're the best. Thank, thank you so much, Eric. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.